I want you to get your Bible open, and I want to continue our study today, and I want to start in Luke chapter 14, verse 28. It is my intention to talk about seasons for the next few weeks. And my goal is to help you understand the seasons that you're in. Seasons are <laughs> things that uh, come and go. I call them spaces. Can you say that word with me, please, please? Spaces. Say it again. Come on, say spaces. There are spaces in your life that are tight. When your kids are younger, starting out in a new business, starting out in a new city, you feel pressure. You, and you're new, on a new job, learning a new skill, pressure. And that season can seem, and it can seem long. When you have a new baby and the new baby is screaming and crying, you can think, man, this ain't never going to change. This baby ain't going to grow up. I'm going to be here, this screaming child, all my life. Anybody ever felt like that? You ever felt like, man, while I said, my God, I don't like to go too long. When, uh, <laughs> that's why preachers go too long. Uh, sometimes <laughs> you don't know how long you've been talking. You just forget. Uh, but when you, are a, when you are a young person trying to figure out how to make it through this tight season, you can almost feel hopeless. But then, all of a sudden, it changes. They grow up for real. One day, they really move out and smile and take your stuff with them. <laughs> Furniture, start claiming rooms. You don't need this bed. Y'all never sleep in this room. Y'all give me this whole thing. They said, no, it's for guests. You don't have any guests. And so it's, it's this season of change, this empty nester thing. We talked about some of it in the men's group where you feel so different. Leroy Bolden gave the best definition of the empty nester syndrome. He said, he said, Pastor, I asked Leroy what it was like because his kids left before mine did. He said, it's like taking a hose, sticking up to the house and sucking all the energy out. And it's just quiet. Put something in one place to confuse you because it doesn't move. <laughs> it's still there. Lord, have mercy. And, and then you go in the refrigerator and there's food in there. Oh, <laughs> you start throwing away food because you realize you don't need to buy as much. Cookies, they just sit there and look at you. I'm still here. But then they visit. Just, just a couple of days. And all the noise shoots back in the house. All the food flies out. Everything's everywhere. I mean, I have one grandbaby, and all she got to do is come by one, the first day, I know she's here. I know. <laughs> My baby is here. Look at this. Noah, loud. Where you at, Pop Pops? I mean, hey, I'm hiding from you. You know, <laughs> it's, it's one day. All these one day. And there's this amazing transition that happens when they're gone and the season's no longer tight, now you've got a lot of space. And you can get in trouble. Now you, got, you have time. So now you get bored. I have this great sermon I'm going to do in a couple of weeks called Boredom. And I call it the place where greatness is built. You have to learn how to be bored. You have to learn how to manage seasons when there's nothing 
but your decision. You have time. I mean, I'm telling you, it's an amazing moment. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about in this conversation we're going to have seasons. Now, I want to know how you manage your seasons. There's a person in our church, and she didn't know I was going to say this, but she's watching now, Miss Esther Lee, and she's amazing. She's 97. And um, at 9, 9, 12 a.m., I know you're looking at me. I know I'm talking about you, Miss Esther, right now. I know you're looking, saying, is he talking about me? Yes. Everybody, everybody say, hello, Miss Esther. Esther. She's shocked. And she's wondering what I'm going to say. Wait and see. I took notes on a conversation we had, December 13th, 2021. And on her 97th birthday, it was right around her birthday, which is on the 15th, but it's around her birthday. And she said she looked in her phone directory and noticed almost everybody in it was gone. She had learned, though, to live with the new spaces in her life and embrace life without all the people around her that she loved. In 97, she embraced a new attitude, looking at life one day and realizing I have more time, more space. What I like about her is she's courageous about it. Still does a whole lot of wonderful things and makes some of the most amazing comments. One of my most inspiring people. Because she lets me know at 64, you are not old. She said, who told you old? Tell them to call me. They don't know what they're talking about. You still have a life and a dream and a future. Don't you let anybody tell you that. Tell you how old you are, like you somebody about to die. I'm 97, I'm still living. You better tell them to hush up. I mean, she, she really, she waxes into elegance. And she doesn't really say hush up. That's not her style. She's more elegant than that. But, but there, is a, there is something you sense when you're around people who learn how to manage those spaces. And I've seen it. I've seen people manage those tight spaces well. They got kids, and they line them up. I can remember one person in particular used to work for me. She had about five kids, and she loved children. She loved children, and she wanted more children. She, never, she, she could never get enough of them. Every time you looked around, her husband was looking and said, what, no, no more babies, that's enough now. And she said, no, I want one more. And, and she, she went, went, well, kids all went to bed, just loved this, at 7 o'clock. Everybody say, wow. wow. Yes, ma'am. She made them go to bed, and she lived her good life. She made sure she had them up on time, on a schedule. They would line up. They came to church silent like little mice. <laughs> she didn't beat them up or anything. She just, she just had trained them so that they wouldn't kill her. Come on, did you hear that? She trained her world so that her world would not kill her. Some of you are training your world to do what? Kill you. You're exactly right. And I think there's something about learning how to manage those spaces. And that's what made me realize that there are people that are older who know how to manage those spaces and people that are younger that know how. My challenge is making sure that I know how to manage the spaces and the seasons I'm in in my life. And I really believe it's important to get that right. Now, I want to turn, if I can, to Luke chapter 14, verse 28, and I want to read a verse for you because this is important. This is what helps you uh, manage the seasons in your life. There's some practical advice that Jesus gave that will help you understand how to manage the seasons. Here's what he says. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. That's the question, Luke 14, 28. When you first sit down, won't you first sit down and, and estimate the cost? 
to see if you have enough money to complete it. Let me stop there. If ever you want to build something, no matter what season you're in, first thing you do is sit down. We are not trained in this culture to sit down. We're trained to run fast. We admire people who are busy. When people describe my life to me, I'm always amazed because here's what they normally say. I know you're busy. I didn't want to call you because you're what? Busy. And, and there's this, this sense that, I'm, that if you get close up on me, I'm supposed to be fried all the time. But that, that's not healthy. If I'm ever going to build anything that's going to last, I need to have sit-down time. I need to have counting time, estimation time, so that I can figure out where I'm going. People who are running and ripping and going and doing are not balanced. They're never going to be able to manage the seasons of their life because life has challenging seasons, and you need to have time to think about them. One of the smartest things I've ever done, I believe, is study ahead of my seasons. I am 64, and I don't know many 70-year-old people who are in good health. So guess what I'm trying to do? Get ready, because Arthur, Arthur is waiting on me. Arthritis, you don't know who that is? He getting your shoulder, getting your knees. Things start hurting you that you didn't know. There are all kinds of things in front of you. What am I going to do with my life? I'm, I'm watching a, a wonderful, I won't say his name, football player, amazing talent that won't leave. Done won more Super Bowls than he needs to win, in my opinion. Used to hate to see him come down the field against your team. He don't need but 30 seconds to win. I used to hate it. Oh, God, he got the ball. Jesus. I stopped praying. I know it ain't fair to pray. Lord Jesus, let him fall down. Let him do something. And he could be falling down, and he'll throw the football sideways 50 yards and, and, and win the game. It was ridiculous. Don't say any names. <laughs> now I'm watching his whole life in public. I said, Lord, help him. I'm praying for his wife and his family. She ain't holding back. She said, I told him to quit. That's it. <laughs> so anyway, let me get on that. You know, it's almost like you don't know how to stop. One of the worst things that happens to you in your drive to success is you don't know how to sit down. First. Not second. First. There's a season in your life where God will help you sit down. I'm going to tell you the benefit of COVID. Now, I'm going to tell you something about COVID. Say bad, what you want to say about the pandemic. It made some of y'all sit down. Because you couldn't go to work. You didn't know what to do. And then he fixed it where you scared to go anywhere. <laughs> I was ashamed of myself. They told you you can catch it all kind of ways. I didn't know how I could catch it. My neighbor came from way, she's way down the street, a wonderful person. She was walking down the street, and she came, and she saw me. We was about two blocks away. <laughs> I'm ashamed of myself. She came by, she's walking her dogs, and I said, hey. 
walking backwards and she, she said, she said, you ain't, you can't catch it that far away. I said, I know, but I kept on going. They had me, I'm not, were you scared? Yeah, I was scared. What? You are, God bless you. I was terrified. I went to the grocery store with gloves on. I, I was, I was picking up stuff like this. <laughs> Man, please. People be running up the greet me and say, hey, bless you, brother, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I always tell people, watch the feet, watch the feet. Feet to tell the story. You know, it's the sad, you know, and I know, I, and I'm, I'm, maybe I'm too much, you know, you, you pray for me. You know, I tell, I'm in test for I came here today because if I had, I wasn't coming. I, done been, I got my last vaccination shot, too. I got that one. If they get another one, I'm going to get that one, too. <laughs> say what you want to say. Feel like you want to feel. I don't care. It's up to you. Praise God. And I got a mask in my pocket, so here they go. I got then I have a backup mask most of the time in case that one go bad. I have a backup. I don't care what you think. I had COVID, praise God. I caught it, and I don't know how I got it. I'm the most masked up person, and it still got me. You know, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. You know, so you do the best you can. Come on, say, fight the fight you're in, not the one you want to be in. Sound to me like you got the spirit of fear. Yeah. God didn't give it to me, but I'll tell you what, COVID did, amen. <laughs> say what you want to say. <laughs> You're right. The Bible says God did not give it to me. I agree. But when I see a lion coming, the lion gave me the spirit of fear. That's why I'm running. Say what you want to say. All right, I better get back to the sermon. How did I get off? I got off. I got off. The point is, if you don't have time to sit down and think, if you don't have time to sit down and think, if you don't have time to sit down and plan, you're never going to do well, no matter what season you're in. Then he makes a statement in verse, verse uh, 31. Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the coming, those coming against him, the one coming against him? Sit down first. The problem with a lot of us is we, we do it last. We do it last. A lot of things that have happened in your life happened because you did it last. And because you did it last, you didn't know where to draw the boundary lines. Because you did it last, you didn't know what to adjust. Because you did it last, you didn't have clear priorities. Because you did it last, you did not know how to get to the goals you set. But if you sit down first, here's a question. What should be this church's main priority? This church's main, well, let me start with me now. What, what should the church's main priority be? Should it be to win the lost or to nurture those who are here? Nurture those who are here. Send them out to win the lost. Everything I'm doing, some of you like that. You like that. Why don't we all clap? Amen. That's a good point. If you like it. Who should you help? The people in your house or the people outside of your house first? See, you get at that point, right? Who should your husband or wife take care of first, you or somebody else? Uh-huh, you. Uh-huh. If you're the child, who, what children should they feed first, you or the other children? And she's saying, me. <laughs> you're, you're, you sit down and say, these are my priorities. Diane is my priority. Not my job, not the church. Not evangelism, not ministry, 
Diane. You're making her a God? No, she's my wife. There is a point where I need to understand what my priorities are. I understand I got to work. I understand all of that. I'm not saying I shouldn't. There's a place where my job fits. That's why, let me watch this. Here's a good one. Should it be the community or my church? I'm sorry, my church. Then the community. I shouldn't have so many community obligations that I can't spend time with my church. I shouldn't have so many obligations with other family members that I can't take care of my own children. I should not have. See, there are moments in my life where I have to sit down. But listen, listen, listen. I understand why there's confusion because the, the, the world around us right now, there's so many seasons. When you see Fort Myers and the things that happen there, you know, you, you got to care about Fort Myers. You got to go help with there's a hurricane. You got to go help people. I understand that. I am not against, and I think this is one of the things that's important. You can't be so selfish that you demand it always to be you. My wife is not like that. She, she, she allows me to, to say, hey, look, I know this is a season. Follow me now, okay? This is a season where, you know, a whole lot's going on and COVID and you have to, you know, spend time and you have to travel and you have to go to Africa. You have to go to Asia. There's seasons in my life when I've had to be really busy and, and, and gone. She understood those, but that's not our lifestyle. That's not, that's not how we live every day. That we have this seven-day Sabbath rule. We understand that we rest within the seven days. God says six days you work, the seventh day you rest. The model was for you to understand you don't allow your seasons to come months and years where you don't have any time to stop. Stopping first is a discipline. You have to learn how to embrace that process because in that process you learn your strength. Am I able to do this? Can I do that? Here's what I think is true. I think it's not possible for you to continue at the pace you're going, if you don't stop now and sit down and say, let me reevaluate what I can do. Let me refigure, let me recalculate my life. I told the men today, I said, I did something I have never done before. I calculated how many sermons I've preached in 41 years. And that's just since I've been a pastor. I've been preaching before that. 41 years I've been a pastor. Five, four, five years before that, I preached as an evangelist. Just in those 41 years, I preached 10,600 sermons, not including 3,000 outside. That's about 13,000 sermons rounded up there about. There's only fifth, right at 15,000 days in 41 years added up. 85% of those of my life, I have been preaching something to somebody about something about Jesus. Now, it looks like a whole lot when you look back, but in the middle of it, I couldn't see it. Sometimes you can't see what you're doing to yourself. You can't see how you're wearing yourself out. You can't see how you're draining your life. You can't see how you're losing yourself. You can't see how you become addicted to running and going. There's something about sitting still. There's something about quiet in the house. There's something about a moment with yourself where you say, well, let me look in the mirror and, and take a, hey, oh, that's a go. Oh, wow, look at that. I, you got to take them looks and say, okay, ooh, oh, Jesus, look back there. And you start saying, I need to stop this. Look at what's happening to me. I'm not even paying attention to it. And I get in the doctor's office, I start praying in the name of Jesus. I buy whatever he say. I speak over his, his viewpoints. I mean, there are moments when you have to look at your money and say, this is a disgrace. Can I say it like I want to say it? I shouldn't be in this position. I, I, a church, you've been in church and they asked for money and you say, well, 
Well, my God, my God, how many offers are we going to have? I've gotten confused. If I know you're going to have three offers, I take the one offer and divide it into thirds. Because I done got hit up several times. And I don't personally like it. Tell me what you're trying to do. Help me understand. But the reason we're there is because we didn't sit down. We didn't count the cost. We, didn't, we built something we shouldn't have built. We couldn't afford it. Now you're getting me, trying to get me to pay for it. And I'm, I'm in bondage too because I'm in, I'm in debt. I got Visa, MasterCard, and them people calling me too. So everybody's in bondage. Come on, say everybody's in bondage. And nothing, I'm almost done. Nothing will change until I sit down. Now, I'm going to tell you about something. Bring me, bring me my chair, guys. Get my chair for me. I'm going to show you something. I'm done. Come play me some music so I can finish. You know, I need music. Music make me finish. You know, just <laughs> give, me some, give me some music. Whatever. Say, yeah, play some. Play some finishing music. Ready? Finishing music. I got six minutes. Man. See how this feels? So what's he going to say? I don't know. Just sit there. <laughs> there are times in my life where the seasons would overrun me. This has been the best season of my life. Hardest season. But I I I I sat there yesterday. And I, and I have a, what I call a, pay, a vision page. And so I read my last note from last month for the, what I thought was the vision for the church, right? Then I put down a vision. I had like a page I did yesterday. So I talked about some development process, the projects we're going to work on. I talked about um, a list of things that are important to me, youth, young adults, children, what we're going to make our big money investments in. Technology, digital. I, I wrote notes about why I'm doing first and second Sunday and not third and fourth Sunday, because I say first and second Sunday we're in the building, third and fourth Sunday we're on the battlefield. Most churches spend all their time in here. I, you know, I have to I have to raise money to do the work we do. So I'm going to ask you, and like I told you, I'm going to building a future campaign in December. I'm asking you to bring God a Christmas gift, and we're going to honor God and raise money and so we can do work, do work. We want to pay off everything. We have one thing we're paying off this building for the land we bought, $2 million. I want to pay that off, $2 million. 48 months. Because I want us free. I don't want us to be, I don't want to be in bondage to anybody. I don't want to report to anybody. And I just sat there and wrote that up, thought about it, prayed over it, closed the computer. And then I just put my feet up and did nothing. Nothing. Ate some watermelon. Looked out the window. If you sit still, you'll see it. And some of you are fighting now. You're fighting now. I'm finishing a doctoral dissertation now. I'm in the last, I had three years of coursework, all A's. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
but that required me to sit down. So I sat down. I, was, I did a little bit of work yesterday, and I, I just told God, thank you for the time. Thank you that I'm not tired. Thank you that I ain't chasing women because I'm depressed. Thank you that I'm so blessed that I don't have to go run around to preach for overtime. I don't have to be um, on drugs. I got friends who are in the ministry. And one, he's really well known. He said something profound to me. He said, um, he said um, and none of you would probably know who he is, but anyway, he said, um, I'm on antidepressants and I can't get off of them. My kids are out of control. And I said, Father, thank you. But he never could sit down. Some of you need to stop. Look at the pastor. You see what I'm doing? That's what you need to do. And you need to just calm down. Here's what I believe will happen. God will give you vision. He'll show you a path to freedom. I'm trying to model something for you. Now, I got one minute, so I need you to stand on your feet. That's called finishing music. Right there, see? That means end. Let them go home. Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the opportunity to address the season we're in. I thank you for helping me in this season. Thank you for a church that's helping me help people. Our future, Lord God, is in your hands. We leave believing that you're going to bless us and guide us to a new place. And now I pray for those who don't know you, Savior. Some who would say, Pastor, I need to think about where I'm going in my spiritual life. With every head bowed, everybody closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor, what you said about stopping first, it, that, that applies to me. I need to stop and think about my spiritual walk. If you're here today, if you're watching online and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to make a commitment to God. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Anybody right now saying, Pastor, pray for me and my walk with God. If you're here, if you're watching online, if that's where you are, let me pray for you right now. That this can be that moment. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for your grace. I pray for you to touch those who are watching online who say, I need to sit down first in this season of my life and deal with my spiritual development. I need to look at my spiritual life. I need to commit my life to Christ. Jesus died on the cross to give them an opportunity, give us all an opportunity to be free. So we come to you thanking you for that. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen.